it over all right um we're back weekly rush it is now sunday um dropping sunday just because uh, a lot of good things are going uh right now um in my life um some are a little unsettling uh for others um but you know for me right now i'm in a good space uh you know just 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 an all-around element you know music is good music is coming out more frequently um, I'm starting to play more music. I'm starting to, you know, get into the holiday spirit, even though Christmas is it's literally in two days. Um, mainly, mainly the New Year spirit. That's kind of the spirit that I'm in. Um, right now, though, uh, I just want to talk about an article um, I scrolled by uh, earlier today, and it was about PTSD. And PTSD affects a lot of people. It's not just those. Um, who've been through, you know, the most traumatic of traumatic scenarios. It's literally anyone that has either done something thousands and thousands of times, well, thousands of times from muscle memory, um, and it still haunts them, or it's someone that's been through something once and they just can't get past it or, in a sense, get over it. Uh, and there's other variations that fall in there as well, but I'm just going to talk, I'm going to touch on those two. Uh, a lot of people bash military members who've never deployed. Right. And I feel like that's an in-house thing. Like a lot of military members bash each other for not deploying and, oh, you've never been here or you've never been there. What have you ever done? You know, thing. Because it's like a it's like a a a clout check, you know. Oh, yeah. What have you done? Right. And, And it's usually one because someone's power is challenged. Right. But see, power shouldn't be challenged, you know. In that sense, anyway, it should be more challenged in a sense of, hey. Are you making sense right now? Because if you're not, then this is probably a bad idea. I don't care how many times you've done it, and I don't care where you've done it at. Right now, in this very instance, it's probably not the best move for everybody here. And I think that's really what comes across with the whole, like, oh, what have you done? What have you been here mentality? But it's worse when it's civilians, right? It's worse when it's people that have never gone, have never signed up, that have never done anything, and you have this one service member uh, that, you know, is going through PTSD, and they ask him, well, have you been in combat? And they say, no. Well, have you ever been shot at? Well, no. Have you ever been blown up? Well, no. Well, then, where do you have PTSD from? People really don't understand how much goes into being in a service, like in any branch. Like, it, it, you know, we rag on the Air Force, we rag on the Coast Guard and the National Guard and stuff like that. But if you're in active duty Monday through Sunday, or Sunday through Sunday, excuse me, like service member dog you're <laughs> there's so many things that can that can cause ptsd so many things uh for starters um the number one thing that can cause ptsd is repetitive stuff you know i mentioned earlier thousands and thousands of times you're doing something you do something 1000 times you perfect it muscle memory imagine having to do something thousands and thousands and thousands of times and your whole entire day is like that. Like, think about it like this. For four years, or even greater than four, some people that are tw- that do this for 20 years, they wake up every morning and it's the same song and dance every morning. Like, there's not a gap. It's literally, you wake up, you get dressed, you go, you do PT, you work out, whatever the case may be, and then, and then it's, like, those are just the major stop milestones. 
It's not for those Marines that live in the barracks. You wake up to the same room that you can only do but so much with. You wake up to the same roommate that you're tired of seeing or a different roommate or no roommate at all. And then there's waking up to no one. Like, there's also that. You know, there's also the threat of being late. There's also the threat of missing something. There's also the threat of not being prepared. It's all these things and elements, right? And, and, and those are, these are the micros, right? We're not even going to get into the fact that you got to wake up and you got to speak to someone every time you pass them. To the point that in your mind, you're, you're mentally preparing yourself just to say good morning or good afternoon or good evening. All these things are, are heavy. This, this weight is like you're not lifting this easily, right? And people, people, will, people will drag out, you know, well, that's not that hard. I, I challenge anyone to wake up every morning and every person they walk past on the street say good morning to with the, with good morning, ma'am. Good morning, sir. Now, now let's, let's, let's think that's not probably that, that hard, right? Okay. Let's throw rank into it. And then let's throw rank in that you have to see before you say anything, you have to identify it and then speak. Now let's throw in the elements. It's raining. Let's say it's foggy. Let's say it's snowing. Let's say it's, it's windy. Let's say you're, you're visually impaired and you don't have your glasses. Let's say you can't tell because the pattern of the, of the camis doesn't match the chevron. And you don't know what you're saying good morning to. So you just say good morning and then you still are met with a consequence because you did not give the proper greeting of the day. These are the things that cause PTSD. And we haven't even left 6 a.m. yet. Like, <laughs> getting up, going to a formation, standing in said formation, standing at parade rest, waiting for the formation to be called to attention, waiting for the information to be called back to parade rest, waiting to be released to go do PT, doing arguably 99% the same shit every fucking morning, especially if you have someone that runs. Like, these are just... We're not even out of 8 a.m. yet. <laughs> like, we're not even out of 8 a.m. yet. Like, <laughs> this that, that just in itself sounds... Re- it sounds stressful, right? Oh, not to mention... <laughs> you have to use rank when just when talking to someone of a higher rank or even an equal rank depending on where you're stationed at because people really care about that stuff right not to mention okay you have to be a dick to people that are a rank below you because that is the environment that you live in you can't be easy on anyone you have to be hard on everyone for the most part right and then the other thing that's unsettling is that people are intimidated by you based off of your rank. People that just got to the unit are scared of you based off of your rank. They don't look at you as a human being based off of your rank. So now you feel as though you don't have any, you don't have a soul, right? You feel soulless because someone's looking at you like, damn, this dude doesn't give a fuck about me. And all you want to do is get through the day. Oh, by the way, we're not even out of eight o'clock yet. Now we're eating breakfast because you've ran back to your room all sweaty, tired, and exhausted, and now you have to get dressed for the rest of your day. We're at 8.30. <laughs> we get to the chow hall. Oh, excuse me. Some people don't have to 8.30. Some people don't have to be at the work at 9. Some people have to be at work at 8. Some people have to wake up at 5 a.m. Some people have to wake up at 4.30, have formations at 6, have formations at 5, PT at 5.30. You don't know what you're going to get, and it's all based off of the day. Like, you literally can wake up to a text message Hey, I need you outside 30 minutes early. You can wake up to a phone call. 
hey, I need you outside an hour early. Or a call late in, at night, midnight. Hey, things have changed. Text, 11, 11 p.m. Things have changed, 10 p.m. Like, and you just got a text at 10 telling you things have changed, and then you get a text at 11 telling you things have changed again. Like, these are things that normal people do not have to worry about. So when, when you see a service member that says, hey, I got PTSD from just being in alone, listen to them. Because these are the things that, that they probably have gone through, right? Oh, by the way, we're not even, out of, we're not even at work yet. Like, <laughs> so we get to work now after crossing. God knows the distance you had to cross. I know somebody that had to walk 30 minutes to work out in Quantico. I know someone had to walk. Uh, if you're out, in, if you're out in Oki, Jesus Christ, the hills you have to walk out there are fucking phenomenal, by themselves, right? Thirty minute walk, twenty minute walk, right? Oh, you don't have a car? Too bad. You're not. You're not. You're not a high enough rank to even rate a vehicle. Too bad. Oh, you don't have a car? Well, it's probably because you don't have a license, right? And you're probably not going to get your license because you can't get off basic get a license because you don't know any people that have a car. And people that you do know that have a car aren't going to let you use their car to get a license anyway. Like, these are the very little things. Okay? And if you do know someone that's a car, they're a higher ranker than you. And guess what? Asking someone higher ranked than you is a fucking process in itself. Asking someone higher ranked than you anything that you're not cool with is a process. I'll give you guys a retrospect. I had to use my lieutenant's Jeep to take a driving test. Two times. Like, that's that's the level of like, oh my god, this is tiring, all right. So back to our work day, back to our back to our regular day. So you get to work, okay? You get to work, and let's say your job is telecom, communications, wiring, uh, motor T. Uh, <laughs> if you're if you're working the child hall, you're already at work. You've been at work since four a.m., right? <laughs> but that's besides the point. Your typical typical marine will show up to work at about eight a.m. 7.30, 9 a.m. at the latest, right? That, that Marine, right, or, or, or sailor or army man or Air Force airman, airman, uh, <laughs> typically you do your job. If your job is there, you do your job. If your job's not there, you don't do your job. And at this point, there's a thin line between doing nothing and doing nothing. And when I say doing nothing twice, I mean you can literally be doing absolutely nothing or you can literally be doing something so stupid that it's literally you doing nothing. You're not even gaining any progress in what you're doing. Like, I've seen people do things that was so rhetorical that by the end of it, nothing had changed from all their effort they put into doing this thing. Like, hey, let's move all this stuff around and then put it back. We did nothing but create dust. We created debris. We, we, we created sweat. Entire and, and soreness in our arms, like dog. <laughs> there's so many things that occur to a regular service member on a daily basis that people just take for granted. They take for granted. Look at your job, right? Look at your job. Even to the people that work at McDonald's, fast food, Seven Eleven, you know, like consumer-based places. Look at your job. You go to work every day based on either a strict schedule or a schedule that fluctuates. No one can keep you past the time that you're at work, and no one can make you come in early. They can ask you all day long. You can show up on time, and you can leave on time, 
and you cannot be penalized for it. Welcome to the military. You can be forced to come to work early. You can be forced to stay late. And there's nothing anyone can do about it, right? I mean, granted, there are some exceptions to the rule. But for the most part, you literally wake up at 5 a.m. And you might not get off until 5 p.m. Like, that's when you're getting off. And hell, depending on what's going on, you might not get off till 7 or 8 o'clock, depending on your job. And no one cares if you have a family or a kid to pick up from daycare. No one cares about that. They want you to be at work. PTSD is real in every aspect of the word. As soon as you sign your name on that contract, your PTSD begins. The amount of medical screenings you have to go through, like the amount of trips you have to make back and forth between your recruiting station and MEPS, the hotel room that you get into before basic, like all these things are prepping you for this traumatic stress you're about to go through. Like, boot camp itself, we're not even going to talk about. Because depending on the person, depending that depends on the level of stuff that they bring with them. But I've seen people do crazy things at night. I've heard people do crazy things at night. Like, there's so much that goes on to it. And to me, in my head right now, I remember so much about boot camp. But there's so many things that are a blur. And I can only imagine... It'd be the same thing for every other service member that's ever went through any other basic training. I mean, granted, mine was the longest at 13 weeks, but 13 weeks is you've used to it at that point. Eight weeks, it's like you just get comfortable and you're boom, you're right out into the fleet. Some people have shorter, some people have longer, but it's still the same amount of stress. I'll give you guys an example. You go through your typical work week, you go to lunch. Your lunch is maybe 30 minutes, right? You eat your food. You're not being rushed. But you're eating your food. The idea that you have 30 minutes to get to your location, eat, and then be back sounds good, right? To most people, it sounds good. Here's an example of why this is a terrible fucking experience. One, you have to get to where you have to eat at, right? If you don't work where you have to eat at, you have to get dri- dri- you have to drive to your food. There's 300 other people within literally a mile that have the exact same idea. How am I going to get something to eat today? Within those, those 300 people, there's another 3,000 within two miles that have the exact same idea as you. And they are all getting released at the exact same time and we all have to find a way to eat and be back to our jobs within 30 minutes on small roads with s- speed limits under 25 miles an hour. And we're carpooling and we're all showing up to the same child hall at once because that ch- same child hall has the best food. And we're all eating there at one time and we're all in line at the same time. And we all have people that are calling us and texting us, hey, you need to hurry up and get back here at the exact same time. When I tell you you can walk up to another person, you can see their entire day on their face, I, like, I'm not bullshitting at all. Like, it is such a painful experience. And people laugh at PTSD. I find it funny that people are laughing at this. And what kills me the most is that this is what we're going through for my generation. My uncle was a Marine. I have another uncle that's in the Army. Those two people are from two different generations. 
I have a great uncle that served as a gunny in Marine Corps. And I have a uncle that's a, I want to say, whatever the first sergeant is of the army. And him and my great uncle have had different experiences. Me, my great uncle and my uncle have had different experiences. Right? And from all those experiences, we can agree on one thing. No matter what happens, something will always go wrong. Something will always go wrong. It can be the best day of your life. You can wake up. You don't have to be at work till 9 o'clock. You're getting off at 12. And within 9 to 12 p.m., 9 noon, excuse me, 9 to, to 12 noon, let me correct myself, 9 to 12 noon, something will go terribly, horribly wrong. And it will ruin this entire three-hour day. That's one thing that we all sat down and had a conversation. That's one thing we could agree on. Because it happens, dude. Like, and listen, we haven't even left lunch. So we get back to lunch, right? So we're done lunch. We're washed back. We've stuffed our face. We're tired from just going to get something to eat. You think getting lunch would be refreshing. It's not. It's exhausting, right? After you're done getting something to eat, you're right back at work. You're burning off everything you just ate, and now you're hungry again, and it hasn't even been two hours, Right? So now I say we're about 2, 3 o'clock. People start securing across the base. 3 p.m., you know, 1500, 1530. People start racking out, right? Hey, you know what? Time to go. Pull the plug. This thing is done, right? Because most things operate around the mail. When units and the base itself gets parts and equipment and information and stuff, all this stuff rotates around a pretty precise timeline. Base general, probably at work till 2 p.m. <laughs> All his guys are, that are below him stay at work till about 4, maybe 3.30 at the, at the earliest. And then it trickles down from there, right? The big guy at top, he goes home early. Guys below him, they go home about an hour, hour and a half after. And then it trickles down to everybody else across the base because... No one's going to look at the higher guy and go, hey, can we get out of here? You're going to wait for the higher guy to say, all right, I'm going home, and they're going to leave 15 to 30 minutes after. And this trickles down. Some people I saw didn't leave until 7 p.m., 8 p.m., 9 p.m., and they're back in at 6, back in at 7. Stress. And then after the days is over, you think it's over? It's not. Because something could really go wrong. While you're asleep, you're in the barracks, you are literally at risk to every other person in your building. That's like living in an apartment and someone on the fourth floor does something stupid. So the apartment manager wakes up everybody in the complex. You all have to go outside. You all have to be accounted for. And if you're not there, people are calling and blowing up your phone. Hey, you need to get here. We need to see you and make sure you're alive. Dog. (laughs) Can you imagine how frustrating it would be to like you're going to rent a spot you're paying money to rent this place out and every about weekend or so someone's banging on your door for something outlandish people would freak out right people would move they would buy their own houses houses would be bought so fast and houses would be so expensive just off of the fact that people didn't want to live in apartments that's ptsd that's the stress. People, people flee 
living in a in a living in a building, living in an apartment complex style building. They flee this building because of other people that live in that building. Like, and we just got off of work. Like, <laughs> that is a typical day. And that's the day with nothing really going bad, right? We haven't even touched a day of field day. Like, people don't understand how field day can be traumatic. Imagine cleaning your entire room, right? You spend two hours. Let's say you spend two hours. Some people really laugh, oh my God, it took you two hours. But let's be realistic here. Someone's first time really cleaning their room to this degree of clean, right? Imagine going through and cleaning. Someone comes in that you don't know, you're not familiar with. They walk in that night and they check your room, right? This is your first time really getting your room checked. They check your room and it's a shit show. Everybody's yelling. Your stuff's getting thrown. Stuff's getting moved. It's very uncomfortable, right? Okay. Now. Let's amplify it a little bit. The next day comes. You're getting your room checked by someone that completely outranks you. Completely outranks you. Not even close to touching their rank. Not for 10 years. Right? They walk in. Never met you before. A day in your life. They don't know anything about you. They walk in. They say your room's not clean. They walk out. There are so many consequences at play. Just from that, just from that engagement. Your room's not clean. It smells in here. Right? These are all things based off of how that person feels this morning. Like, I want you guys to under, like, I want you guys to really think about that. Imagine your manager, and we probably already had this happen before, but just imagine this. Imagine your manager decides, hey, I'm not in a good mood. Everybody's staying until 5 p.m. And you're not getting extra pay. Let that sink in. Imagine a manager telling you, person that gets off at noon who's been at work since 4 a.m., you're staying till 5 p.m. because I'm not in a good mood and I want to get stuff done. You're not getting paid extra. There will be fucking anarchy in the streets. Let's, let that happen at a regular job. It'd be anarchy. Anarchy. And you can't leave or you'll be fired. And, and worse, not even worse than fired. Actually, no, it is worse than fired. You'll be stripped of your pay thrown in jail and then robbed of your money you'll be getting paid while you're there but you'll get half you'll literally be sitting and gaining half a paycheck oh by the way your bills did not like go away you still have full bills half pun half money you're stuck in a jail cell limited phone calls limited contact with the outside world you're not in your home if you have a family you're not seeing them if they need to get in contact with you, it's very, very, very minimal. It's so, it's so ridiculous, right? Now imagine this. Imagine that same energy being done, but while you're cleaning your room. Someone walks in who's having a blessed day. They walk in, room looks good, they walk out, right? Flip the energy back to, you know, your manager saying, hey, you got to stay late. Because he has an attitude. Attitude walks in your room. Immediately, first thing they don't like, there's this fucking 45-minute conversation, right? Don't be a fucking sports fan. I always tell, I used to tell my guys this. If you're a sports fan, take that shit down until after your room's clean, like your room's checked. And they'd be like, why? Leave it up one day. Leave it up one week. I had this kid leave it up one week. 
This fucking gunny walks in. Dog, 15-minute conversation about his room. Followed the five-second conversation about his favorite sports team. Why do you like this team? Oh, well, you know, oh, that team fucking sucks. But besides that, why is it all that dirt around the fucking flag? Why is it all this over here? Why is it all that? This is fucking pathetic. You need to get on this guy and then leave. And then this kid's fucking sitting there going, all because I didn't like the same team? You notice all that? Yes. Because anything that catches eye and causes conversation leads to more shit being seen. All right? So, like, <laughs> and this is, just, this is just your manager coming to you. Imagine that. Let's just, let's just think about that. Your manager coming to your house, knocking on your door, walking into your home and telling you you need to clean up. P.T. motherfucking S.D. It's to the point now that I'm a genuinely clean person. I have OCD. Right? I have lapses in my OCD where I am fucking disgusting for about two, three days. Right? Depending on the scenario, I can be fucking disgusting, right? In the eyes of most. I mean, I, I'm not going to say the eyes of most, in the eyes of some, right? Some clean freaks, I'm like, oh my God, it's like, you know, shirts on the floor, underwear on the floor, you know, bowls from two days ago when I had cereal with the milk still in it. Not like a lot of milk, but just like a little bit to crust the bottom of the bowl. Like, you know, stuff like that. Like, it's a little funky in here. But for me, as soon as I get uncomfortable in my store, it's over. It's game over. The whole house. Not just my room. The entire house. All three bedrooms. Living room, dining room, kitchen, basement, front porch, back porch, alleyway. Fucking you name it. I'm touching it with my hands. And I'm cleaning it. That is literally what OCD is. Now, couple OCD with PTSD. You have a slump that can last a week. It can last a month because you're fighting two things. You're fighting your OCD, but at the same time, you're fighting your PTSD. Your feeling of what the fuck is the point that you've had the entire time for four years? What is the point of this? Why do I keep doing this? This is stupid, right? You don't want to get into that situation because then you just become dirty, right? And then what's even more frustrating is that OCD, PTSD combination that you had Combine it with living with someone else. Now you're looking at how they live and it's bothering you. Because you're so used to you having to focus on somebody else and, and, and have them be a certain way. Or even yourself. When you see someone else that's doing something that's off. You're just like, you're freaking out. Right? Because you're like, dude, how can you, how can you do that? How can you, how can you live like that? Why do you... Like, and, and a lot of people don't have this reaction. A lot, of, a lot of service members don't really have this reaction. But for me, with having PTSD, oh my god. And having, o- and having OCD on top of that, or, or vice versa, it's like a, a storm. One day I'm cool, the next day it's just like I trip over something, and everything, just, it's a click. It's literally like a light switch. And you can't, can't beat it, can't argue with it. Um, it's a lot, man. You know, when you have all those things happen at once, it's just like, Damn. Like, when am I ever going to get a break? <laughs> and then you finally get it. You get your GD214, you walk out the front door, and you're like, wow. What do I do now? Because you, you, you've lived the hardest life you can possibly live. There's nothing harder than that. Everything after that is laughable. 
Oh, you want me to stay for? You want me to do sixteen hours? Pfft. That's easy. You want me to do that all week? Okay. You want me to come in a little early? Thirty minutes? Okay. Stay a little late? Half an hour? Okay. Oh, skip lunch? No problem. Work out on an empty stomach? No problem. These are all things that you get used to. You should never get used to these things, but yet, here we are. An entire community of people that walk among civilians that literally go, this is not hard at all. When I first got out, I'll give you guys a quick run back. When I first got out, I had three options. A, go straight to work. B, go straight to school. Or C, try to juggle everything. And I put on my fucking juggling that like I was a part of the Ringling Brothers Circus because it felt so nice to just wake up in the morning and do whatever the fuck I felt like doing. Didn't feel like going to class? Can miss a day, don't matter. Work was the only option that I didn't have to really miss. But I, I even get, I even go a little darker and deeper into this. I got out, had my entire room packed up, ready to go. DD-214, ready to be signed. Last day, all my stuff checked out, everything ready to go, ready to, ready to just fucking hit the road, right? My entire car was packed, I was ready. There was enough space for me to get in the, the driver's seat and drive 10 hours. There was enough space for that. Couldn't look through my rearview mirror, couldn't see out the back of my car for any reason. There was just me, J. Cole's new CD, who just, who just dropped, my left rear view, my right rear view. That was it. And I drove for 10 hours, talking to people, GPS on crazy. I drove straight home to where I was living at for a while. Dropped all this stuff off. Drove to my best friend's house. Sparked a blunt. And unwinded for the first time ever in my life. Like, really unwinded. And what's crazy is that usually when you, when you first get away from everything, the first day is like, wow. The next day is like, wow. The fourth and fifth day, it hits you. It consumes you. I got out December 10th, well, December 9th. Was home December 9th, didn't do anything December 10th. The 11th, the 12th, I didn't do anything. All I did was sit at home and collect a little bit of money that was owed to me from the military, and that was it. I paid what bills I could pay, and I waited. I had $38 to my name come Christmas. I bought a $5 Christmas tree. I bought both my kids a gift. I bought their mom a gift, and I bought uh, her mom a gift as well. Put it underneath the Christmas tree, bought my mom a gift. For thirty-eight dollars, was all I had. I didn't know where my next dime was coming from. Signed up for school, which guaranteed me a check sometime in January. Uh, I signed up. I tried to find a job. Finding a job worked out. I got hired in February. Um, I used enough money from the move, the weight of the car. Um, I had enough money in my tank to 
managed to get around and you know managed to get to a, get to an interview, um, which, which which you know got me my my, my job. Um, and it was crazy because I filled out applications all December. Everywhere, and I ended up working right back in my same my old job because they wanted me. Um, but everything had changed. We had partnered with uh, Penn. There was a lot going on. And what 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 really hit me was not knowing when my next dollar was going to come because I got so accustomed to getting paid every two weeks. It was like clockwork. Every two weeks, no matter what, you were getting paid unless the government was shut down. And even then, it was scary because it's like, damn, if I don't get paid, what am I going to do? I have a child. And then, I, you know, then with the two children, it was like, I got to get back a fourth. You know, it, it was a lot. Um, but, you know, overcame it. Now, we're getting literally a quarter of that in pay from working a regular job and then going to school and then kind of getting a little bit of that money back. It worked. But see, the difference is, is that I didn't get my first paycheck really until February. I didn't get hired until after New Year's. Like, I got hired and stuff, and we had to go through the process, the background check, all the other things, and the orientation. Before I actually got my first check, I think I got like a, a $20 check, $20.65 check. I literally took that check, I put it right in my tank, and that was it. I didn't really have a lot of food. I didn't have a lot of anything, right? And then the money starts flowing. But the stress doesn't go away. Like at all. Like the stress just doesn't leave you. And then you lose, and I think the biggest thing that I want to touch on uh, before I get out of here. The biggest thing is that you lose that, that level of comfort that you have just talking to people that you're never going to see again. And some people you talk to, you will see again. But others, you're never going to see people again. So you, 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 and like you just give them everything. And you tell them everything. And it makes it easier. When you can't smoke and you can't drink and you're out in the field or you're just, you know, you're at work and you know you got to do a lot and you really just can't unwind, talking to another person helps so much. And I think that's something that's missed that the military has that helps kind of breed PTSD, but at the same time help calm it. When you are able to just vent, but not in a vent in a situation where it's just like I'm just giving all this stuff. It's more like you're talking to someone that's also giving you sound advice while also giving you their experiences while it's at the same time telling you to avoid certain stuff and also could be at the same time pushing you into bad things. Like, you got to be careful who you talk to because you could be talking to somebody and it feels great, right? But at the same time, they're giving you terrible advice, but you don't notice it because you're just, you just feel so good to talk to someone, right? And that's why I say that breathe that PTSD because you don't really, you can't trust people after a while because you tell people something and the next thing you know, you're the, you're the fucking, you know, the talk of the town and everybody's laughing at you because the person you talk to decided to tell all your business, Right? There's so many different levels of that, and that's what people experience, and that's where the level of PTSD, PTSD comes in at because you're constantly fighting them. You're constantly fighting someone with a higher rank than you using their abilities, and not their abilities, but using their position to push weight on you, to push pressure onto you, 
just because you're not that rank. Your entire career is based around getting the rank of the person that impresses you the most. Who puts the most pressure on me and how do I get their rank so I can now no longer be under that pressure? You didn't want to rank up because you wanted to be ranked up. You either ranked up because of more money or more perks, right? And when you leave that, you try to get promoted as fast as possible. I got promoted in five months, after, not even five months. I got promoted in about three months after getting my job. Three months after. I think by, by February, by, by March or April, I was promoted. By March, I was in talks to be promoted. By April, I was promoted. And once I got promoted and I realized not much really changed, it felt like the Marine Corps all over again. It felt like being in the service all over again because you can get that promotion. It just gives you more responsibilities and really less power. You think you have more power. You're just responsible for more people, which really means you just have more people that are now your fault if something goes wrong. It's not, hey, I got more people that I can tell what to do. It's like, I got more people that I got to literally make sure that they don't screw me over. And it happens. You know? It, uh, just, just be careful with service members, especially around the holidays. Like, don't laugh at people that are afraid of fireworks. Don't get mad at people that, you know, like stuff a certain way in their house or a certain way to be cleaned or, you know, use certain products. Let those people... Do what they have to do to be okay. I once knew a guy that had to fish to be okay. And he was a fucking badass. He was a badass. I'll say that now. He was a badass. This dude was untouchable. But he had to fish to be okay. And when he didn't fish, he was angry. Angry. I started fishing with him and I understood why he came out to fish. Because as strong as he was and as how mad as he was, it was something about the water being out there in complete silence and fishing and having fun getting catch you know catch, I, I used to fish I fished for a little bit because of this guy and I learned so much about him just from fishing that I never had to talk to him again I never needed to give him a phone call I never needed him to have my number I just knew that if I ever meet this guy again I'm gonna ask him hey do you want to go fishing and we can sit out here in the water and we can talk just talk and catch up, and it'll be like we never miss the beat. No matter where we get at in life, there are people that I can meet up with right now that we can sit back and do something real simple, and it'll be like nothing ever happened. I know one guy I play video games with, you know, and we were talking about going on a cruise together. I don't talk to this guy on a daily basis. I don't, I don't send this guy messages every day, but we talk, we communicate. And it's just something simple as that. That helps PTSD. That helps the OCD. That helps the, the, the remembering of, of all the nonsense. That stuff helps. Like, weed, weed is there. Weed is always there. Weed is always going to be a thing. But just being in a room full of people that have the exact same experiences as you, it helps. So when you say, when you have people that aren't in that room, I've never stepped in that room before, and can't even be in a conversation, but are judging you for not being, you know, going to combat, don't pay them any mind. Because those people didn't even sign the contract, right? You know, I got one kid from Hawaii. This dude, all I got to do, walk up, crack open a beer. Hey, bro, how you been? You been good? That's what's up. What have you been up to? What you been doing out here? How's your job going, right? I got another guy out in Jersey. 
I can send a message on Snapchat right now. We'll have a 45-minute phone conversation. Feel me? Like, if I'm feeling down and I post a bad status, Marines are the ones that are... Service members, Marines are the ones that are hitting me up. Asking me if I'm okay and close friends that I know. Other than that, no one bats an eye at that. These guys know what that means. They say, hey, you're doing all right. You're doing good. Because they know. They felt it. They wake up in the morning depressed. They wake up, but they can't sleep at night. You know, this stuff is real, man. I wouldn't be talking about it if it wasn't. But, hey, next time you see a service member, you know, going through some stuff, don't bash them over the head with the you didn't go to combat thing. You don't know what real stress is. I got stressed from watching videos of other people in combat. I got fucking freaked out. Because I'm like, dog, this could happen to me at any moment. That, and, and that, I think that's the biggest, I think that's the biggest problem. Is that at any given moment, your happy little weekend hangout that you do at the bar, or if you're in Oki, when you go out and you go on special libo, and, or if you're in Korea, or, or China, or Africa, wherever you are in the service. That unnerving, just unsettling feeling of at any given moment, my phone can go off, a bomb can be dropped somewhere, and I am packing up and getting ready to go is the worst feeling on the planet, and it stays with you even long after you get out, because guess what? You have obligated service if you sign the contract for it. That, I think that's it. I think that's really what it is. It, it, all that stuff has its effects. But I'll tell you, for the two, the two moments where I was out in Cali, the two times I was out in Cali, and they told us, hey, we're up next. Something goes wrong, it's us. If a flood pops off, it's us. If it's World War III, it's us. We're going first. We are the first line. We are going with the first group. When they told us that, it was just like, whoa, why? Right? Because now you're like, oh, you got to text your family. Say, hey, for the next six months. You know, and hey, even if, even, and even then, those six months go by, another six months go by, we're still at war. Guess who's going out in 18 months? You see what I'm saying? You got time left on your contract, you're gone. Wartime is wartime. doesn't matter. And I think that's the biggest thing. We all signed up for this for whatever reason, and the consequences are always looming. And combined with the stress, combined with the uncertainty, combined with the attitudes and, you know, the bipolar command and just the lack of leadership and the lack of understanding, all those things combined together will really make you an angry killing machine. It really will. But at the same time, once you're done being a killing machine, your soul is left just there. Like, well, I don't have to be a killing machine anymore. Now what do I do? Go to, go to school, try to go back to college, and if that doesn't work, you, you're, you're trained well enough to be homeless. Because that's really what a lot of us guys end up at. They get out the military, they try to go back home to their mom. That doesn't work. You didn't visit mom enough. She doesn't like you. She doesn't want you at home anymore. Or mom's dating a new, dating a new, uh, a new guy. He doesn't fuck with you because you, you're, you're a murderer, right? Because you signed up for something. You're a murderer now. Grandma passed away, or, or grandpa passed away, or auntie and uncle used to live with. They passed away. The house went and got, you know, repoed, or whatever the case may be. Now you have nowhere to live. Oh, this all happens, by the way, right as you're about to get out. You have no one to talk to. You have no money to borrow. 
You have no one coming to pick you up. You don't have a license because you really didn't really need one because you lived on base the entire time. Or you were overseas the entire time. And while all this was happening, you had no way of flying back and forth, not because you weren't good with money, but because your command wouldn't give you leave. Right? There's so many variables that go into this. It's not just your, you know, daily, day-to-day thing. Like, there's a ton. I remember when my grandmother passed away, uh, and my daughter had just been born within the same week. My grandmother died, um, and and what what really killed me was that I got a phone call telling me that she had stage four, stage one cancer, um, and the next morning, I got to work. After finding out the news, I told my, my command that night, I said, hey, my grandmother has stage one cancer, she's in the hospital. And they said, okay, we'll, you know, we'll figure something out. I told my recruiter, I said, hey, my grandmother has stage one, can- stage one cancer, and I want to come home for you know, recruiting assistance, because you know, I want to see her. My grandmother died the next day. Luckily, I had a command that cared because they finished my, my RA paperwork. It was passed up, it was pushed up, pushed back down, all within the same day. Um, all within the same hour, to be honest. Signed, passed, pushed up, pushed back down, good, accepted. I was on the plane the next morning. Plane ticket already bought. Like, I was leaving, regardless. I got home, got off the plane, I was home for about maybe 45 minutes to an hour. Labor started. I was rushing. We were going to the hospital. This baby's coming today. That morning I checked in. My unit sent me back to the hospital. My grandmother's funeral that following Sunday. I got home on a Monday. I think my grandmother passed away Friday morning I found out. And I think I flew home Saturday or something around that nature. I had one day of travel. I think I think I rated a day of travel. I'm not too sure. But that's just the level of stuff that happens. Like and and some units don't let you go home for your grandparents. How impactful were your, was your grandfather was your grandparent in, in your life? How impactful was your grandparent in your life? Like those are the questions they ask you. Did your grandparent raise you? Because if not, it's really not that important. They view it as. Some units are like that. Like, this is a wake-up call for anybody that doesn't really understand what happens. Imagine being in Afghanistan, fighting a war. You're on your last month. One of your grandparents passes away. You try to go home. They tell you no, because your grandparents weren't that influenced in your life. Like, they weren't that big of an influence. You have to sit with that for a month. With ammo in your weapon. Like... Let's think about this. PTSD is literally forming in every day of a service member's life. And it's cresting. I know people that can't have normal conversations because they get so mad. Like, they just get upset and they can't control it. They don't know why. They, they shake. They shiver at night. And they don't know why. Nothing ever, never been shot at. They don't know why. I've been robbed. I've been jumped. I've been shot at. I've seen someone killed in front of me. I've had all these things happen. None of those things bother me. 
sadly. But those four years that I spent caused so much enemy. Just because you're imp- you're empath at that point, because you, you sympathize with everybody around you. And I'll tell you one more story, because I'm, I'm about to get out of here, and I'm uh, about to wrap this up. But uh, I'll tell you one story. This kid wanted to kill himself. I was stuck out in the desert with a kid for a month that wanted to kill himself. Hands down, the hardest decision I had to ever make in my life was putting this kid in front of me and talking him, like, into a state of mind that allowed him to make it through this month. And I'll tell you right now, as as heartless as it sounds, I only did it because I didn't want him to be my responsibility and I didn't want him to die on my watch. That is the mindset that I was in while I was in. I didn't care about his family. I didn't care about his friends. I didn't care about the girlfriend he was arguing with or didn't want to be with anymore. I didn't care about anything about him other than the fact that I was worried about him dying on my watch and it being my fault. That's all I cared about. And once, and, and the thing was that's sad is that once everything was over and done with, I did not care about this kid anymore. I didn't care about anybody in my shop except for maybe two people after they left it. Maybe three. That is what happens while you're in. You, you get these imaginary emotions and these imaginary, like, this imaginary care for people, and then after you're gone, you don't think about them anymore. I have a better relationship with somebody I ran into one time while I served. Now, to this day. Actually, no, I have, I, have, I have a pretty good relationship with a girl that I went to the schoolhouse with. Um, she's always been dope. We've always got along. Um, and we've always kind of kept in some sort of com- uh, communication with each other. And then through her, I met another friend of mine who, dope person, keeps it real all the time. And, you know, us three, we have a little bit of a connection. Not nothing crazy or anything like that, but we just vibe very well together. Yet we've never all been in the same room at one time. Right? There's other people that I have met and I have literally stayed with for years. Don't even care if they die tomorrow. That's what it does to you. And for those who don't believe me, just ask a service member if everything I said is true. And they'll tell you. They'll agree. They'll probably laugh. At half of the stuff that I said. Because it's true. This stuff happens. But yet, hey. Here we are. The most relentless, carefree people on the planet. Who have the worst sense of humor. Everything is funny to us when it shouldn't be. And at the same time, we probably have the highest morals. Out of people that you've known for your entire life. It's just, there's just things that we'll, we'll allow and we'll do that we deem as okay, and there's some things that we just won't let slide. And that's the thin line that we walk. No one knows because they've never been, and they're not going to understand until they go. See you next time. Weekly Rush.